Praise God. Hallelujah. Well, let's pray. Father, we're so thankful for such a time of freedom in your presence. We thank you for the Spirit of God who is our helper. Um, we thank you for the enlightenment that we get from the Word. Lord, we know that the eloquence of man can help us. Only you can help us. So we open ourselves to the Holy Ghost to do what a man cannot do. Um, Lord, help me this morning. Give me utterance. Let light come by the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, I'd like, if I can, to conclude a thought I started a few weeks ago. I had a, a service where I preached under the title, Accurately Following uh, the Leadership of the Holy Spirit in Times of Darkness. Accurately Following the Lead or the Lead of the, of the Holy Spirit in Times of Darkness. And I, I want to conclude on that this morning. And um, I think what I'll do is I'll start with a shortish recap. And then we would hopefully conclude on the thoughts I started with. Um, yes, it is a time of darkness, but it's also a time of great light. Uh, Isaiah 60 talks about the fact that darkness will cover the earth and gross darkness the people, but the glory of God will arise and be seen on us. So it's a time of great light. It's our season to show forth the light of God in times of darkness. And one of the key ways we're able to do that is through the help of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has been given us as a guide, um, as a teacher, as one that reveals the heart of the Father to us. And our text verse is Romans 8.14 that says, As many as are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. As many as are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. The Passion Translation says the mature children of God are those who are moved by the impulses of the Holy Spirit. Who are moved by the impulses. Those are the mature sons of God. Those are the ones that will be light in darkness. Those who are moved by the impulses of the Holy Spirit. And as I said, I like the word impulses. Because it's speaking about something that is distinct but is typically nonverbal and must be discerned. You understand what I mean by that? It's an impulse. The Spirit of God is leading you, but your maturity is going to be determined by your ability to discern and to follow those impulses of the Spirit. You know, somebody once said, is it possible for God to speak to you and you don't know it? And people say, well, if it's God, he will always speak to you and you will always know it. And that's not true. Because in John 12, we see a scenario, for instance, where God spoke to the people, and some people thought it thundered. Others people thought an angel spoke to him. And Jesus said, this voice came for your benefit. So the people for whom the voice came did not discern it. So it is possible for God to be speaking, and you not discerning it. Yeah? And Romans 8 gives us an idea as to how that can happen, because he gives impulses, impulses. There's a movement of the spirit that you are meant to be able to discern and to follow. And it becomes something that if you train yourself and if you submit yourself to instruction, that discernment would be so accurate that you'll follow it onto the path of life in every case. 
You know, I have followed that discernment to move countries. I have followed that discernment to change careers. I have made major decisions based on the impulses of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. You might think that, well, if something is so important, God has to make it obvious. Well, he makes it obvious to those who are able to discern it. Praise the Lord. Uh, I don't want to cover old ground. If you're trying to understand what I'm saying, then please download for free the first part of the sermon. Because I went into more detail there. Because God said in Psalm 32 verse 7, when he was speaking to David, the TPT translation, I believe it's of verse 8, he said, I hear the Lord saying, I will stay close to you, instructing and guiding you along the pathway of your life. I would advise you along the way and lead you forth with my eyes as your guide. Everyone say, with my eyes as your guide. So don't make it difficult. Don't be stubborn. When I take you where you have not been before, don't make me tug you and pull you along. Just come with me. Sometimes the Lord tugs us and pulls us along, but the way he wants to guide us is with his eyes. His eyes are the guide, which means we need to be looking at his face to follow the guidance of his eyes. You know, when I was much younger, and most Nigerians know this, you know, you're going to visit somebody and your parents tell you that when you get to their house, don't take anything. If whatever they offer you, don't say no. I wonder why they used to do that. These are friends of theirs. <laughs> this is not some stranger. Don't, if they offer you coke, no. Meat pie, no. All your favorite things, no. So you show up at your parents' friend's place and you are nice and polite and, you know, you prostrate or you, whatever you do, you know, to show respect and you sit down <laughs> and they say, Tunde, what do you want? Do you want coke? No, ma. <laughs> do you want Fanta? No. Thank you. Ma. And my favorite has always been Sprite. So, ah, uh, how about Sprite? Ah. Uh. And I'll just, I'll just happen to look up at my mother's face. She needs to say nothing. But that eye, I know that that eye is saying, you try it. <laughs> you just try that. That Sprite will be the last Sprite you ever have. I'll say, no, 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 ma. Well, thank God the Lord's guidance is not always no. <laughs> but he wants to guide us with his eye. He wants to guide us with his eye and show us the way to go. And it is the mature sons of God. You show your maturity by your ability to discern and to follow his guidance. You see, in order to follow the way of the Lord for your life, you need to seek him. You need to seek him before you can find him. In Jeremiah 29 verse 13, I'll read the message Bible. And you know, this is about understanding how the Lord's ways rather than your own ways. You are not God and so you, we need to learn. Sometimes we don't like God very much because we feel that he won't do things the way you and I will do them. But he's not you, he's God. Hallelujah. So if anyone's going to adjust, God is not going to adjust to you. You are going to learn how he operates. Are you with me? But there are some people that are bad bosses. And, you know, in certain industries where they keep you waiting for 12 hours. But you sit down there and wait for them because they are the boss. But thank God, God is a benevolent king and he's our master and our father. But we need to learn how he operates. In Jeremiah 29, 13, it says, when you come looking for me, you will find me. When you get serious about finding me and want it more than anything else, I'll make sure you won't be disappointed. 
God's decree. I'll turn things around for you. I'll bring you back from all the countries into which I drove you. God's decree. Bring you home to the place from which I sent you off into exile. You can count on it. He says, when you come looking for me, you will find me. So in order to find God's way, you need to seek him out. Amen. Uh, you need to seek him out. Jeremiah, again, in Jeremiah 10, 23, says, Lord, I know that the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man who walks to direct his own steps. In the Message Bible, he said, I know, God, that mere mortals can't run their own lives. That men and women don't have what it takes to take charge of life. The reason the Holy Spirit has been given is because we need him. Jeremiah said, God, I know that man's way is not in himself. A man cannot take charge of his own life without your help. He needs your help and he needs your guidance. And the Lord says, when you seek me, when you are serious about finding me, I will make sure that you are not disappointed. This is what the mature sons of God do. In Isaiah 55 verse 8, he says, my ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. As the rain comes down and the snow from heaven and does not return there, but waters the earth and causes it to bring forth and bud, so is my word that goes out of my mouth. It will not return to me void. It will accomplish what I please and prosper in the thing whereto I have sent it. So, God's ways and his thoughts are very different from ours. His thoughts concerning you are very different from yours. His direction is very different from what you are thinking. Hallelujah. So he says, come to me and seek me and then I will show you my ways and I will give you my thoughts. I will give you my word. I will give you a word of direction to follow. But to get my word, you need to seek me out first. Hallelujah. So the mature sons of God are those who seek after God. Those who wait on him. Those who seek his face for direction, for guidance, and for counsel. As I said a few weeks ago, you know, what I've found, and we see this in scripture, what I've found is when we seek the Lord, the Lord will always give us direction. Because the Bible says that he that comes to God must Believe that he is, and he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Yeah? He says, if you call upon me, I'll answer you and I'll show you something. The Lord will always give you direction. You can count on that. Hallelujah. I said you can count on that. If you seek the Lord, you will find him. But a lot of times, when the Lord gives you revelation, he usually tells you the next step he wants you to take. He doesn't typically give you his reasoning behind it. If you're trying to understand his reasoning before you take action, you are going to miss out on a life of adventure with God. Amen. Because understanding is not required for obedience. In fact, obedience, we must always obey and sometimes we will get to understand. Obedience actually opens the door to come into a place where you begin to understand his thoughts and his ways. But he will give you a word to obey. He will tell you what to do. It may not make sense to you, but that is the God we are dealing with. Praise the Lord. Understanding is not required for obedience. 
Because there are certain things that honestly, they would only make sense in eternity. There are certain facts concerning your life that will only make sense when you and I cross the threshold of time into eternity. Then we'll understand why certain things had to be done. But on this side, there are some things you will never understand. And they are not required for your obedience to the Lord. Do you think Noah understood what rain was in order to obey God and build the ark? God asked him and gave him instructions to build something he had never seen for a devastation that was going to occur that he had never experienced before. He had never rained. Meanwhile, for 120 years, he obeyed God. Hallelujah. Do you think that Abraham had to know where God was leading to follow him? No. All he needed to know was God's instruction and follow those instructions. Because God is working in you from eternity for eternity. So there are certain things that you'll never understand on this side of eternity. But he will give you revelation. He will tell you what to do. And it is important that we obey him. So as we seek God for direction. It is important to allow our thoughts to be shaped by him. Our thoughts to be shaped by him. Because a lot of times. You know our thoughts are shaped by our own understanding. And how we think things should happen. But it is important to allow our thoughts to be shaped by him. You know, in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. You know, sometimes I talk to people, especially people who think they're smart, and it's good to be smart. I went to school too. I encourage people to do degrees. Um, you know, like a man of God once said, don't be stupid on your job, you know. Uh, learn your craft and be well and educate yourself. So we're not against education. Education is good. But Solomon was saying that with all our education, we should trust the Lord with all our hearts. And we should not lean on our understanding. He's not saying you shouldn't have understanding, but don't put your weight on it. Don't lean on it. Hallelujah. Don't put your weight on it. One of the things we learned last week was that one that has power with God will have his strength disclosed in their lives and will walk through life with a limp. You know, last week we looked at Jacob and at Peniel in Genesis 32. He struggled with God and he asked God to bless him. And in that encounter with God, God changed his name to one who had power with God. And as a result of that encounter, Jacob, now Israel got on a path of destiny. Are you with me? But that encounter left him limping. That encounter affected his strength. For the rest of his life, Israel leaned on a staff. Everybody that has an encounter with God, everyone that walks with God, will walk through life with a limp. And by a limp, I mean that you will never be resting on your understanding anymore. Your weight will always be on his grace because you understand that the way of man is not in himself. The plan of God for your life cannot be perceived purely by mere understanding. 
His plan is bigger than what you are able to conceive. And that is why 1 Corinthians 2.9 says that I has not seen nor ear heard. And he hasn't entered the heart of man the things that God has reserved or preserved for those who love him. So our strength must be in God's grace. Which is only given abundantly to the humble. Our strength must be in his grace. Our strength cannot come from ourselves. You know, in Psalm 25 verse 9, the Bible says that the humble, he guides in justice, and the humble, he teaches his way. The humble, he guides in justice, and the humble, he teaches his way. The Passion Translation says, keep showing the humble your path, and lead them into the best decision." Bring revelation like that trains them in the truth. We see a sequence there. He begins by guiding and then he begins to teach his way. Obedience is required before understanding. He will give you the next step to take. And as you humble yourself and begin to follow him and obey his counsel, over time he will start training you in the way he thinks. Are you getting hold of this? It's like a parent. You know, there's a time when, you know, you teach your kids to obey you, whether they understand or not. Isn't that what every parent does? Over time, they will begin to understand. Now, we think that being modern means that always explain yourself to your children. You know, from day one, explain why you are doing and let them judge whether they should do it or not. That is not godly child training because you want to lead your kids to begin by trusting your judgment there are things that you know that they don't know and they need to be able to trust their parents that their parents love them and have their best intentions at heart so they obey their parents without question and when they have learned that then as they grow over time they begin to understand there are things you don't explain to your kids when they are young because they don't understand are you with me? And God himself, you begin to learn his ways over time, but obedience, you can know what he wants you to do from day one. He will lead you from day one. Hallelujah. But then over time, he will begin to train you in his way. Now we see here that it is the humble that he guides in justice. It is the humble that he teaches his way. Because the person that is meek and humble is the person that does not resist God. Is the person that whether they understand or not, they know that God loves them and therefore they are required to obey him because he's their creator and he's also their lover. Mm -hmm. It's important to allow our thoughts to be shaped by him. So we explain some principles uh, the first time we examine this. There's some key things we need to do if we want to have a humble heart and begin to position ourselves in a place where we can receive from God and begin to perceive his direction. The first thing we talked about was the importance of keeping your heart. Because God is going to minister to you through your heart. The reason those guys in John 12 thought that he thundered was because they were expecting God to speak from the outside. And on the outside, it just sounded like something happened. But your ability to discern the voice of the spirit is in your spirit. Because God is a spirit, is he not? Yeah, 
So Proverbs 4.23 says, Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it flow the forces of life. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. Anything that affects your heart affects your life. And it affects your ability to hear God. Because God will speak to you through your heart. Counsel is in your heart. Light comes from there because that's where the Holy Spirit is. I'm sure you've heard this phrase, especially if you watch um, uh, legal, American legal um, drama. They always say this phrase about investigative, like police investigations. When they take a case to court and they are providing evidence, they always ask the police how they receive the evidence. And there's a phrase called a fruit of the poisonous tree. So basically, if, for instance, they conducted a search illegally, anything that comes out of that is considered inadmissible, so you can't present it in the court of law. Yeah, I call it the fruit of the poisonous tree. So if the tree is poisonous, all the fruit is what? It does not matter how good it looks, it's poisonous. So in like manner, if something poisons your heart, every part of your life is affected. Any fruit that comes from a poisoned heart is going to be poisonous fruit. And that is why the Bible says, above all else, protect your heart. Guard your heart. Because from your heart comes the forces of life. Even revelation that comes from God becomes tainted in its interpretation and application when it comes into a heart that is poisoned. Even revelation that comes from God. Because that revelation must come through the spirit, to your spirit, to your soul, and then you are conscious of it. But if your heart is tainted, you know, it's very difficult to give somebody a good word of knowledge when you're offended with them. That's the revelation. Let me give you the heart. That's practical explanation. Because if God spoke to you about them, so for instance, you had a dream that this person was going to hell. Like you saw them and they were walking towards the lake of fire. And then rather than asking the Lord, what does this mean? When you wake up, you will say, aha, I knew it. And then you will go to the person and say, I saw you going towards fire. And even myself, I know that you are in danger of hellfire. Now, if the person was like me, I'll ask you a simple question. When you saw me going towards fire, was I going to save someone from hell? <laughs> or was I the one going? That dream doesn't tell me what I was going to do there. Are you with me? So if the heart is tainted, the way you interpret things will be tainted. If your heart is tainted about Nigeria, everything about Nigeria, whether the government is good or bad, whatever the government is trying to do, you will always look at it from a negative evil point of view and something that God has ordained for you to benefit from, you will not benefit from it because you will not see the wood in the trees. All you'll be seeing is that the trees are blocking you. You don't see that there's wood there for you to make firewood. Do you understand what I'm saying? So that is why it is important that we guard our hearts with all diligence. Um, because out of it comes the forces of life. The only solution to a tainted heart is repentance. That's the only solution. Recognize, you see, if something is great in your nerves, if somebody, if there's a particular issue or a particular person that grates your nerves, ask yourself why. There is something in that interaction that you need to deal with. Are you with me? There's something in that interaction. If someone abuses you and it upsets you, I always wonder why people get upset when people abuse them. 
Because I know who I am, so your abuse makes no difference to my identity. Do you understand? If you abuse me, I understand that you have a problem with yourself. Yeah? So if I am angry that people are abusing me, then there is something in me that needs to deal with that thing. Are you tracking with me? Yeah? So guarding your heart with all diligence is so important because that is the foundation of being able to receive from God in an untainted way. Hallelujah. The next thing, and I expanded on it a few weeks ago, the next thing is to deal with anxiety and fear with the word of God. It is very difficult to perceive the leading of the Holy Spirit if you are afraid. If you are afraid. That's why whenever Jesus is, comes on the scene, the first thing he tells people is don't be afraid. Because fear, you know, I read once that, um, you know, when there is a plane crash or, you know, a plane has to, you know, land um, suddenly, there are a lot of cases where people didn't have to die, but it was their actions when the plane crash landed that resulted in death. And what they see is that when the plane lands, even if it lands safely and people die, by the time they open the door, they would see that everybody is concentrated at the exit. So as soon as it lands, everybody rushes. So rather than waiting patiently and everyone to you know, take their turn, everyone will try to get out of the plane at the same time. It blocks the door. And as a result, they spend more time in that plane than they need to. So where they could have come out safely, their fear has caused their death. Fear always causes us to act in a way that is opposite to what we need to do for our deliverance. And that is why in order to listen on or perceive what God is saying, we must deal with anxiety and fear. Hallelujah. And you deal with it with the word of God. There is a word from God that you can feed on that will deal with that fear that you are confronting. Hallelujah. Even when you don't know what to do. Amen. Because counsel comes from peace. It is in the place of peace that counsel will arise. But peace can only come from a heart that has pushed out fear with the word of God. And that's why... Philippians 4, 6 says, should be careful for nothing, but in everything, with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, make your request known to God, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and mind in Christ Jesus. The Amplified says that the peace of God will mount guard over your heart. What is it guarding? It is preventing fear from coming in. Why is it guarding your heart? Because it is when your heart is at peace that counsel will come. Counsel does not come in a place of fear. Counsel comes from a place of peace. Amen. So a heart that meditates in God's word, that finds the answer to the problem from the word and feeds on that word until it deals with fear, is the heart that is eligible to perceive and discern the wisdom of God in that hour. And I really want to look at some examples of that. And that's why in Philippians 4 verse 6, Talks about being careful for nothing. But Philippians 4 verse 8 now says that what you think about is important. You know what you are thinking about is either feeding your faith or it's feeding your fear. What you think about is important. It's not just what you say that is important. 
It is what you think. In fact, what you think about is more important because what you think about will affect what you say. Hallelujah. If we look at the Passion Translation of verse 8, it says, so keep your thoughts continually. Everyone say continually. Keep your thoughts continually fixed on all that is authentic and real, honorable and admirable, beautiful and respectful, pure and holy, merciful and kind, and fasten your thoughts on every glorious work of God, praising him always. You can control your thoughts. It's saying fix your thoughts. Fix your thoughts. Always think about things that are true from the word of God. Always think about things that are pure. Always think about things that are authentic. Hallelujah. Because what we think about is either fueling our hopes and our faith or it's fueling our fear. And when fear gets into your heart and takes root, whether it's about your family, whether it's about your future, whether it's about the economy, you will not be able to discern the impulses of the Holy Spirit that are happening on the inside of you concerning your prosperity. So deal with fear and push it out. Amen. And then the last thing we looked at was studying to be quiet. Studying to be quiet. Isaiah 30, 15 says that in quietness and confidence shall be our strength. You know, Habakkuk in Habakkuk 2.1, he says, uh, this is what I do. I stand on my watch and I set myself on the rampart and I watch to see what he will say to me. Yeah? So quietness, a place of quietness is a place where we can receive the counsel from the Lord. Um, you know, in um, Psalm 23, David said, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures, lead me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his namesake. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil for you are with me. And your rod and your staff, they comfort me. It talks about preparing a table before him in the presence of his enemies. You see, David began by saying, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. And he began to talk about, you could see in that psalm, that it was a very personal relationship. And it says, the Lord guides me. The Lord leads me. The Lord prepares this for me. You see, if you know where you are going... And you know how to get there. Then you don't need a guide. If you know, I mean, you only have a guide when you need help. Is that not true? Yeah. Now, David is saying that the Lord is my shepherd. You see, a lot of people say the Lord is my shepherd. But he is only your shepherd to the extent that you follow his lead. If you are not seeking the Lord and following his lead, he's not your shepherd. The Lord is the shepherd, but he's not yours. Because the proof that the Lord is your shepherd is that he is the one that's guiding you where you go. You are following his lead. David said the Lord is my shepherd because I am following his direction. I am following his lead. He determines how we navigate this thing. I don't lean on my understanding. Yeah? I lean on him. So I need his direction. If I don't have it, I can't go anywhere. I can't say, well... The Lord is not leading, so I'm going to lead myself. No, I, am, I don't have that liberty. Yeah? He said, I am following his lead. That is why he is my shepherd. It is in quietness and in confidence that your strength lies. And that's why I said that it is important when we are seeking God that our heart is in neutral. We must not be invested in a particular outcome. If you already have an outcome you want in your mind, you need to put that to one side because otherwise 
you are not going to be following his lead. It's going to be very difficult to perceive the leading of God if you have already made up your mind. Yeah? So let us look at some practical examples of this. Of these principles. Um, there are some practical examples I want to look at real quick. Let us start with, um, look at the book of Acts chapter 13. It's so important that our hearts are neutral. One of the other things I said, I quoted from uh, the book of Psalms 37, where it says that the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. I said you should start taking steps in the direction that you feel that the Lord is leading you to go. Um, and, but every time, keep evaluating in your heart what you are sensing on the inside. One of the reasons why people don't take action is because they are afraid. They say that I'm waiting on God, but really, they're just afraid to act. And the reason why they're afraid is because they have not dealt with fear in their hearts. Uh, once you deal with fear of the word, start taking action in the direction you feel God is leading you. And when you take action, even if you need to make adjustments, it's easier to adjust a, the direction of a vehicle when it's moving. But when a vehicle is not moving anywhere, it's very difficult to move it or to adjust its direction. Yeah? So as Christians, we need to be people of action. Hallelujah. And we need to put our faith in God that even when we make a mistake... Because our hearts are open to the Lord, the Lord will always give us that cost correction counsel that we need at every point in time. But look at an example of this, because I want to look at some practical examples today about following the direction and the leading of the Holy Spirit. Look at Acts 13 verse 1. I'm going to read um, verses 1 to 5 real quick. It says, now in the church that was in Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, one called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manian, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. And as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, so they were waiting on the Lord. They were seeking God's face. It says, the Holy Spirit said, now separate to me, Panamas and Saul, for the work to which I have called them. Then having fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them away. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia, and from there, they sailed to Cyprus. And when they had arrived in Salamis, they preached the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. They also um, had John as their assistant. So they had done the right thing. They had sought God. They knew what they were meant to be doing. And they went out and took action. And then they began to minister the word everywhere that there was an opportunity to do so. Now, fast forward to Acts 16. Acts 16, let's start from verse 6. Now it's tracking Barnabas and Saul on their first missionary journey. In verse 6 it says, Now when they had gone through Phrygia and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. After they had come to Mysia, they tried to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit did not permit them. So passing by Mysia, they came down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. Now, after he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. Now, it will seem very strange Paul writing a bulletin or circulating an update of his missionary journey to his partners. 
and he's giving his partners an update of what they have done so far. And he writes this line, the Lord forbade me to preach in Asia. They will probably withdraw their support from Apostle Paul. What are you saying? The Lord will never forbid you to preach. Now, see what is going on here. They had received the mandate of God. They were moving. They were taking action. But in the midst of that action, they did not lean on their understanding. And they still listened to the leading of the Holy Spirit regarding the intricacies of their life. As they were trying to move in one direction, they tried to go to um, Asia. The Holy Spirit forbade them. And then they said, okay, we'll go towards Mysia. Um, and something in their heart did not permit them. The Holy Spirit did not permit them. Now let's dissect this a little bit. You see, God has not sent you and I to solve every problem and to meet every need. God is preparing you for a place and he's preparing a place for you. Not every good thing is the right thing for you to do. Yeah? In fact, I mean, another example that comes to mind, you know, everywhere Jesus went, the Bible says in Acts 10, 38, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. He went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. That was his mandate. But then, if you read John 5, and the case of the man at the pool of Bethesda, you have this pool where there are so many lame people and so many sick people. And Jesus went to this particular man, healed him, and then left that place. And left all these other people there. What happened to his mandate to do good and heal all that were oppressed of the devil? That was his mandate. But within that mandate, he had to listen to the Father and follow the direction of the Holy Spirit. Are you with me? So in your life, you see, in this particular case, if Paul had gone to preach in Asia, he would have missed a divine appointment that God had for him somewhere else. So even in doing good and, you know, doing, uh, working out our lives, it is important. It's not every good opportunity that the Lord will allow you to take because there are specific things that he wants you to do. You see, Paul was not praying about, oh, should I preach or shouldn't I preach? That was his mandate. He was busy doing the work of the kingdom. But in the middle of that, he understood that he has the Holy Spirit to help him and give him specific direction. I mean, you will suddenly find yourself doing what you normally do, what God has called you to do, and then suddenly you just sense that, ah, it's like I shouldn't be doing this anymore. That is an impulse of the Holy Spirit. That's an impulse of the Holy Spirit. You need to discern that impulse. You need to press into that impulse. Hallelujah. Because the Lord, there are specific appointments. Now, if you read the rest of the story, as they got to um, uh, Macedonia, there was a woman, uh, a wealthy woman called Lydia, that they ministered to, and she got born again, and she became a partner with them in the kingdom. There was a specific appointment. Don't miss the appointments of God because you are doing good. You see, as a servant of God, there are things that I'm not at liberty to do. I mean, there's so many things that we could get involved in as a church. 
But what we try to do is wait on God and say, God, what would you have us do? And of course, as we're doing, you know, we do a lot of different things. And then sometimes there's a shift on the inside. We have a guide we're following. We have a guide we're following. Sometimes people think that, oh, you are not stable. And half the time, I like to tell people that I would like to be stable too. But the guy that I'm following turns, <laughs> I, I was hoping that I could tell him to stay. I mean, let us, uh, but he has moved in a, a particular direction. When he was leading them to the promised land, every time the glory rested in the place, they will rest and they will stop. And as soon as he began to plant, you know, some shrubs, you know, let's get some stability. The glory will lift and then they will have to move again. Yeah. In your life, God is going to transition you from one stage to the other. There are times he tells you to do things you don't understand, and you may not even agree with or think is wisdom, but guess what? He is God and you are not. Paul said, I was preaching the gospel. The anointing was there, but the Lord will not allow me to preach in Asia. And then I thought, okay, since I'm not going to, I will go this way because I'm called to preach. And he will not permit me to go this way. Ah! What am I meant to do? I sought to go in this direction, but he will not permit me. And then I rested. And a dream came. So I thought, well, maybe he wants me to uh, go to. And then he moved in that direction. And guess what? After the woman got saved, they got thrown in jail. Following the Lord. Yeah? So that's a, the first point. Important point. Yeah? As you are following the Lord in what he has given you to do, expect him. To give you specific direction. And it's impulses. The Bible didn't tell us how. We just knew that the Holy Spirit forbade them. This is a man that has learned to discern what God is saying. Yeah? He has learned to discern on the inside. He will not permit me. It doesn't sound like they had a conversation. It sounded like he was moving in a particular direction. And on the inside. On the inside. As a man who had protected his heart. As a man who had dealt with fear. As a man whose life was the Lord, whether he was living or whether he was dead, he was not trying to protect his life. His heart was in neutral. So when he was moving in the right direction, uh, based on good things to do, when there was a red light on the inside, he understood what it meant and he adjusted. And he kept adjusting until he got a green light. Hallelujah. Look at another verse real quick. Look at um, 1 Kings 17. Oh, we're talking about following accurately the leading of the Holy Spirit in times of darkness. His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. But he's leading us in the direction of high purpose. In 1 Kings 17, it says, And Elijah the Tishbite of the inhabitants of Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord of Israel lives, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, except at my word. Then the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Get away from here, and turn eastward, and hide by the brook Kereth, which flows into the Jordan. And it will be that you shall drink from the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. So he went and he did according to what? The word of the Lord. For he went and stayed by the brook Kereth, which flows into the Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning. And bread and meat in the evening. And he drank from the brook. 
You see, it does not matter. You know, as I was preparing for this original message, I think it was about a month ago now, the Lord spoke to me as I was preparing for it, and he said that there's no structural adjustment program in heaven. Some of you that are old enough will know when there was a structural adjustment program. I was quite young at the time. But he said there's no structural adjustment program in heaven. We don't adjust the economy of heaven based on what's happening in Nigeria. Yeah? And I wondered why I used that phrase. I wonder if there's a structural adjustment program coming. Because I haven't heard of that in a long time. But whatever the state of the economy, God has a way to take care of you. Now, Elijah. Now, but, but there's wisdom here we need to distill. Because sometimes your theology gets in the way of God's revelation. Now, this time of famine was orchestrated by the Lord. Elijah expressed what God had said. Famine had to come because the nation had to go through a period where they recognized that God alone is God. Okay? Now, the Lord took care of Elijah. He said, go to the brook Kereth. I have commanded the ravens. So come and feed you there and you will drink from the brook. Yeah? Good. Now, how many of you know that ravens are not clean birds? In fact, ravens are scavengers. Yeah? There's nothing that ravens won't eat. Okay? So if you wanted, I mean, I'm a man of God, right? So if I was going to decide the industry that's going to feed me and the people that are going to feed me, it is not a raven. That I am going to go to. I'm going to ask for a dove. I'm going to ask for a dove. But God said I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. Now there are some Christians that will say me? No way. I am not going to receive food from the raven. You see in this time. God is going to place his people. In places of influence. And you are going to be reporting to the most wicked people in the industry. The most wicked, the most corrupt people in industry. The reason why God is placing you there is, number one, he chooses how he's going to feed you. He is God and you are not. He chooses if Elijah decided, I am not going to receive food from a raven, he was going to starve. He had to update his theology. Just like Peter had to update his theology. Alright? If you think that the only people that you are going to serve in business are those who come to church and those who tithe and those who are faithful to their wives (laughs) and husbands, you are going to miss out on what God has prepared for you. So number one, he's going to determine how he feeds you. Number two, another reason why he will place you next to a raven or an industry that is so corrupt, is because he wants to use to bring influence there. Are you with me? Do you know that God has used the most wicked kings to fulfill his will? I mean, he placed Esther with a king that was not a very nice king. He placed the four Hebrew children in Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom. Daniel was a counselor for Belteshazzar and Darius and Cyrus. Yeah, he placed them next to power and they were able to influence those people. Even though while they were influencing them, those people were the most corrupt kings that had ever lived. The king that Nehemiah served, 
that ended up funding the rebuilding of the walls was not a Jew. So in this time, God is placing his people in strategic industries and working for people that are going to feed you and he's going to use you as a tool to influence that industry. Very important to understand. God determines how he takes care of you. Number two, when we go through that story, we see that after a while, the brook dried up. Now, when God leads you to a place, an avenue of revenue, he is not locked into providing for you from a particular avenue forever. Now, God is wise enough to know that there was going to be a drought for three years, so he could have made sure that the water flowed for three years and the ravens fed him for three years. But in the midst of the place that God had led him to, the brook dried up. Your brook can dry up even though you have done nothing wrong. Sometimes your brook dries up just for God to instruct you that you don't need to depend on the brook, depend on me. God will never allow you to have an avenue of revenue that becomes your source. He alone must be your source. Those are parts of the ways of God. So when the brook dried up, Elijah did not go into panic stations. He just went back and sought the Lord. And the Lord said, there is a widow in Zarephath that I have commanded to feed you. So Elijah had to press into God again and wait on God and seek the Lord. And the Lord didn't say, oh, I'm sorry, I forgot. No, the Lord will allow us sometimes to go through times of transition where there are times of dryness in our lives and it's an invitation for us to seek him so we will know the next place to go. Hallelujah. Can you imagine if Elijah had been standing in the brook commanding water to come? <laughs> I am the prophet of God commanding water to go. Sometimes our prayers are misdirected because what God is doing is he's transitioning you to the next level. When you dimension that story, you'll see that where Elijah was at the brook, he was getting fed, but God was moving him into a place of greater influence where he would affect the widow and affect her child and affect the economy of that household. God is transitioning people to places of greater influence. And the signal of that transition is that what you are doing at the moment comes to an end. There's this period of dryness. Yes, God led you there, but he has shifted something. What you and I are meant to do, I'm meant to come closer and seek him and understand. Not in fear, but understand that Father, you are the Father of lights. There's no variableness, no shadow of turning in you. In the midst of darkness, you provide for me. What direction do you have for me now? Hallelujah. And God will move you to a place. Where it looks like there is nothing happening there. Because he got to the widow and said, widow, you are meant to provide for me. But the widow had nothing. So he had to engage and turn it around. Hallelujah. The place that God is sending you might be worse off than you. But in that place, there is great provision. Not just for you, but for those that he's leading you into. He might bring you into government and they find out that they are offering you a salary that's Less than half of what you used to earn before. But there's something for you there. He wants to change things around. 
and bring it to a place of greater prominence where you affect the economy of a nation. That is what is happening now. And if we do not discern the impulses of the Holy Spirit, we will miss it. Because sometimes God will lead to a place where it looks like there is nothing. And it is through your faith and your involvement in that atmosphere that you turn it around and bring the value that God has for you. God is moving people into education. God is moving people from industry into education. And what is happening is that even though your salary may be a lot less now, you are going to shape the lives of young people that are going to be the presidents and the prime ministers of nations uh, in years to come. So his greatest treasures, God is shifting into places where there might be temporal suffering, but he is using you as a catalyst to change economies and change destinies. When you look at the lives of some of the greatest, um, you know, people like Hitler and stuff, you'll find out that when they were younger, they had traumatic experiences. And um, they didn't have the nurture of parents or the nurture of, of good mentors. God is positioning people there. We're complaining about our economy. God is moving you into education. If you are hearing education and you are feeling education and you are feeling a passion for education, begin to allocate some of your time into education. God is moving you there. I'm saying that by the word of the Lord. Hallelujah. He's moving you there. He's moving us into places of greater influence. But it's important to recognize that the spirit of God is here. And the reason why he's here is to be your guide. But we have to follow his lead. And to follow his lead, we must seek him. Seeking him must be a primary occupation. We must seek him. And as we discern, we must begin to take steps in that direction. Don't be afraid. Yeah? Take steps in that direction. When things begin to shift around us, even good things we're doing, and it seems like the atmosphere has changed, pay attention to it. When the brook dries up, don't be afraid. Pay attention to it. Hallelujah. Lean into him. Can you imagine how in the world would Elijah have known about a widow in Zarephath if he didn't hear the word of the Lord? There is no way Elijah could have mapped out, you know, like if you are doing a strategic plan. You know, okay, I'm in Kerith right now and I'm getting food and drink. And just in case the brook dries, okay, What's the neighborhood next to Kerith? Sidon was outside the region of Israel. How are you going to direct yourself without the word of the Lord? It's impossible. It's impossible. But thank God it's available to us. Oh, thank God it's available to us. If we seek him, we'll find him. Thank God it's available to us. Let's just bow our heads. Father, we're so thankful. Thank you for the freshness of the word. Thank you for the illumination of the spirit. Thank you because everybody under the sound of my voice, by the power of the Holy Spirit, you are taking this message and you are translating it into words and pictures that apply to their current context. Holy Spirit, rise big within the heart of every man, every woman, every boy and girl. Let the fire of God burn brightly on the inside. Let there be a spark of revelation. Let there be a spark of inspiration. Lord, every business that's represented here, show them the remnant of grace that you have allocated for them in this time. Because your remnant is bigger than what a nation needs. Lord, show us what you have preserved for us in this time. Lord, we speak against the spirit of fear because you have not given us the spirit of fear, but power, 
love and a sound mind. We thank you for the boldness of the righteous like a lion. We enter into the boldness of God. This is our season. This is our time. And Lord, we give you thanks. We give you thanks, Lord. You know, I'll just say this by the Holy Ghost. I was going to teach on this, but the Spirit of God just wants me to mention it. You know, when Lot left Abraham, and he seemed to choose the biggest and the best place, Abraham could have been despondent that that which was for me has been taken by somebody else. You might be here today, and it's like you've been shafted in some kind of business deal. Uh, It seems like you have been left with nothing but the dregs, the a very little part of what should really legitimately have been yours. But the counsel of God to you is the counsel that he gave to Abraham. He said, Abraham, lift up your eyes. Lift up your eyes. Now look, 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 look. I admonish you by the Holy Spirit. Recognize that that which has gone is very little compared to what God has prepared for you. The separation that he has allowed is because he is bringing you into a deeper place. A place of expansion and prominence. Rather than being depressed and despondent, it is time for you to lift up your eyes and look. Begin to press into God to see what he has provided. He said to Abraham, look to the north and south and east and west. Everywhere you see belongs to you. You are coming into a place of greater vision. You are coming into a place of greater sight. As you lift up your heart in joy, knowing that your God is for you. And therefore nothing can stand successfully against you. Father, we thank you for the word. We thank you because the entrance of your word brings light and it brings understanding to the simple. Thank you for understanding. Thank you for fatness that comes into the inner man of your people. Thank you because the yoke is destroyed because of the fatness. The yoke of depression, the yoke of fear is destroyed because of fatness. Replacing it is the garment of hope and the garment of faith and the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Lord, we give you thanks. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen.